Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholeheartedly devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I've heard your prayers and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Prepare a poultice, poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil, and he recovered. Today's message is about prayer, talking about prayer today. And I would like to begin uh, by pointing you to one resource I found. Um, It says that Americans appear to be becoming more socially uh, disconnected, less socially connected over time. And this actually isn't a new thing. We've seen this trend over the last number of decades, social connection in decline. One study shows uh, over the last 20 years, it, it was 2003 to 2023, over the last 20 years, social isolation has increased 24 hours per month. And then a, a different metric that, that they showed is that social engagement with friends decreased 20 hours per month. And so in short, when we put that together, we are spending less time with friends and more time alone. And I'm I'm curious, if this is the atmosphere, if this is our American cultural waters that we swim in, if Americans are in decline in social connections, I just, I wonder as Christians, as as evangelicals, as as American evangelicals here, I, I, I wonder how this affects us. And in light of our sermon topic, I wonder how this affects our our prayer life. Prayer prayer is a spiritual connection with God. It's it's a social connection with God. Simple definition is prayer is communication with with God. It's communion. It's it's a relational conversation with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, God isn't this one-sided juggernaut, but God himself exists in Community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this really uh, mind-blowing dynamic of relationship and love and community, and we use this word Trinity to try to just do a good job uh, as best as we can. And at the limit of our language, we use this word Trinity, Trinity, Trinity to try to describe what, what God is, is, who he is. And so uh, as we face the forces of isolation and loneliness, and we could throw in outrage culture and cancel culture and all the other things that are out there. I just wonder, 
Does this take a toll on our prayer life? I just wonder, what does God think about the things Americans pray for? But you know what? Here's the good news. God is available to us. God listens to our prayers. Even as they are shaped by our cultural background or our mood or our energy level, God listens. God is available. The Bible tells us there's a God who loves you, a God who pursues you, a God who desires relationship with you, a God who says, I am with you. Emmanuel, I am with you. And in Christ, a God who empties himself, embraces a cross, the old rugged cross, for you, for us. God is a God of of good news. And the Greek word used in the New Testament uh, for good news is euangelion. It means good news or gospel. It's, it's, it's announcement. It's a joyous announcement. Something has happened. It is a piece of news, and you are invited to do something about it. Here's the good news. Do you accept or receive it? Do you, do you believe this news? Do you believe what has happened? Do you believe in the Jesus event, the birth, the ministry, the work of Jesus, the healing, the, the, the work of Jesus on the cross, his death, his resurrection, his ascension? Do you believe the whole thing? It's news. It's an invite to believe. And in fact, this Greek word, euangelion, uh, is where our English word evangelical comes from. Now, bear with me. We're going to do a, a sidebar. Um, I promise it's, there's a point to this. But I just want to talk about the evangelical mo- uh, movement just briefly here. This movement, over the last four or five hundred years, evangelicalism is this broad, diverse movement that stretches around the grove. There's a diversity in evangelicalism. It's a patchwork coalition, as some call it. Other scholars call it like this kaleidoscope. It's a group of Wesleyan perspectives and Calvinistic perspectives, and there's holiness groups and Anabaptists and Pentecostal and Charismatics, and there are evangelical Lutherans. There's even evangelical Catholics, too. They're out there. It is a broad group. And on a scholarly level, Evangelicalism can be hard to define. But just because something is hard to to define, it doesn't mean that something isn't happening. Because something is happening. And in general, evangelicals, we we take the Bible seriously. And, And Jesus, we believe Jesus as Savior and Lord. Now, you might just say, well, time out. Isn't that true for every Christian? And so, okay, yes. So we need a little bit more help. Bear with me. Hang in there. I'm going to point you to David Bevington real quick. You you may have been like, I've never heard of this guy. There's a couple fancy words on the screen. Just just bear with me. He gives us four primary distinctives about evangelicals. Okay? We embrace biblicism. Okay, what does that mean? We have a high regard for the Bible. It's our authority. We embrace crucicentrism, meaning like we emphasize The cross, the old rugged cross. We are cross-centered. We emphasize the work of atonement, what Jesus did on Good Friday. Easter is super important too, but before Easter was the cross. Sacrifice, redemption, forgiveness of sin. What happened on the cross is super important to us. It's a pretty big deal. 
And then Bevington also uses this word conversionism. Humans are an old creation and we need to be born again into new creation. Forgiveness of sins is available. Redemption is available. Salvation is so super important to us. Salvation is so important to us. But it's not just salvation and then that's the end of the story. But it's a lifelong process of growing closer to Jesus. We call it sanctification, discipleship, spiritual formation. It it is a convertive lifestyle. In EC language, our our denomination, we we have this expression called convertive piety. It's just a fancy way of saying it is a transformational holiness that we are pursuing. Following Jesus is a lifelong process, conversionism. And then there's activism. There is a missional impulse that comes with the gospel. We want to proclaim it. We want to express it. We want to demonstrate it. We want to show and tell the gospel. We are participants with God's mission. And we're also active in social reform and social activities and meeting needs. If, if the food bank is empty, we'll fill it up. If we need diapers, we'll go get diapers. Like, like there, There's an impulse there. Activism. Okay? It's, it's not a private faith, but it's, there's a movement. Okay, You may have never heard these words before, and that's okay. Thank you for hanging in there. The reason why I shared these four distinctives is because being a biblical, cross-shaped, born-again disciple who lives on mission, it's another way of just putting those words, being a biblical, cross-shaped, born-again disciple who lives on mission, that doesn't just happen. But it does happen through the process of spiritual formation, the lifelong journey of growing closer to Jesus, putting intentionality in it. It's God, God's work inside of us, but God leaves room. It's, a, it's an invite. He doesn't force it on us. It's, we get to participate. We have a responsibility. Spiritual formation is a big part is a big part of the evangelical heart. We, we want to grow. We want to tell you about Jesus. We want you to grow closer to Jesus. We want to grow together closer to Jesus. Spiritual formation is so important. Now, getting to our topic today, prayer is a very important part of spiritual formation. And I believe God hears and answers prayers. And the good news is, in and through Christ, and by the way of the Spirit, we have access to God. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the doorway. When we come to Jesus, he's the only way. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then around Jesus, he he remakes us. We are the new humanity because of the reconciling work of Jesus on the cross. Okay, that, that, that's our crucicentrism, uh, crucicentrism coming out there, right? Like, we, we are Jesus people, and it's because of what he has done on the cross. Ephesians 2.18 says, through Christ, we have access to the Father by one spirit. And then a little bit later, in Ephesians 3.12, it says, in Christ and through faith in him, we approach God in freedom and confidence. And then Hebrews 10 says something like this. Because of the blood of Jesus, we have confidence 
to go into the presence of God, like in prayer. Jesus is the new and living way that is opened up for us. We can draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance of faith. Christ sprinkles us clean from all of our guilt, and he washes us in pure water. You can check out Hebrews 10 for that. And there's other verses we could point to. But we, we get to talk to God. We get to communicate with God, talking and listening. Now, it's hard to do relationships without communication. It's hard to do prayer without communication. It, it's challenging to have a relationship with God if you don't talk to God. And so, with a message on prayer, there's many directions we, we could go. Um, yesterday at the prayer workshop, that was just like a taster. They, they threw a couple slides on the screen, and it was like, here's all the things we could talk about. Here's all the different angles. Here's all the different styles, etc., etc. Prayer is a big world. Prayer is a big world. Many directions we could go this morning. But I was led to an Old Testament story in 2 Kings 20. And so if you're not already there, you can turn there with me. We're going to walk through the story. 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 to 7. It's a King Hezekiah story. He's the king of the kingdom of Judah. He's about 39 years old. If you want a fun fact, his name means God is my strength. And he is from the royal line of David. I think he's about 12 or 13 kings down. In the family tree. So there's King David, and then Hezekiah, about 12 or 13 down the line. This story takes place during or after the Assyrian invasion. I won't get into that today. Essentially, what you need to know is big bad Assyria is invading. Nobody wants their country invaded, but that kind of sets the background. There's geopolitical turmoil going on. Probably unhappy people in the kingdom. Again, nobody likes invasions. It's probably a stressful time for King Hezekiah. Okay, let's, let's walk through this. In those days, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and he was at the point of death. He's deathbed sick. Okay, and, and we are, we, we're told later on it's some sort of skin issue. Ill. Like, like there's something going on, a sore, a boil, and maybe it's just, it's left untreated. Now he's running a fever, we can use our imaginations, he's getting sick. Kids, don't pick your scabs, right? But he's, he's now at the point of, of death. The prophet Isaiah, so this is also an Isaiah story. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. So Isaiah, a person with prophetic gifting, heard from God. Perhaps Isaiah's over here having his own prayer time. God speaks to Isaiah. And now Isaiah is going to the king to voice this out. This is what God says, king. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. You will not recover. This is what I call a brick wall moment. It's when your life just smacks 
into a metaphorical brick wall. Everything just stops or changes. Perhaps for you or your family or something out there, something big. It is life-changing news. Something massive happens. And Hezekiah, he has to put his life, or yeah, his, his house in order. He needs to put in a succession plan. If you don't have a succession plan, things can get muddy. In those days, probably violent. Put your house in order. God has spoken. It's time to settle accounts. You're going to die, Hezekiah. God has spoken. Verse 2. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. It is my understanding Middle Eastern couches would have been in the corner He's perhaps in his court or chambers. We don't know how many other people are around. We have to use our imagination here. But I imagine the couch is next to a corner. If he's deathbed sick, if he's really just ill, sick, he rolls away from everyone and faces the wall. Probably too sick to go away privately to talk to God or pray. So what does he do? He rolls over. And he faces the wall. And you know, sometimes that's what we need to do. That's where we're at. We just need to roll away from everything and talk to God. I've been there many times where it would just be so nice if everyone could just stop. If the world could just hit the pause button. Connect. Just everyone just stop. Freeze. That's not how life works. That's not our reality. Okay? We're not that powerful. What we can do, though, is just roll over and face the wall. Recently, I went upstairs to our historical sanctuary, and I had some prayer time up there. You know what that looked like for me? I was laying on the floor, right there on the carpet. I faced the ceiling, in my, in my experience. Moving on, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember me, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion, and I have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And so on a royal couch, in pain and sickness, Hezekiah perhaps is feeling alone. Now, jumping to us, you know, again, as Americans, we're already struggling with loneliness and isolation and things like that. When we receive bad news, when there's a lot of stress going on at work or, or in the family, the fog of loneliness can just sweep over us. And so Hezekiah, he prays and he asks God, dear God, be mindful. Remember me. Remember me. Remember my faith walk. I've been legit, Lord. I live my life with sound intentions, and I haven't been half-hearted. And he cries, and he cries much. On the couch, he's just blanketed by this tragic shadow of death. Meanwhile, Isaiah. Isaiah is still trying to get out of the, the royal complex here. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. So apparently, Isaiah is definitely gifted in the gift of prophecy, but his, 
his pastoral side, his bedside manner. Looks like Isaiah came in, dropped the news, and he's, he's already on his way out. You know, he's, he's trying to get out of the, the royal complex. Before he left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. So notice, Hezekiah is praying, but God speaks and moves with another. God says to Isaiah, Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people. This is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. And so first, God brings the reminder that while Hezekiah Hezekiah is king, he's ruler, he's the captain of the people. Remember, these are ultimately my people, God says. So there's, there's kind of like a, like, hey, just to be clear, let's bring this corrective. These are my people. Second, this story gives us an example that God hears prayers, that God sees tears. And in this story, in his sovereignty, God brings mercy and healing to Hezekiah. God's word continues. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. This won't be an instant miracle of healing. This isn't an instant healing. It's going to take three days, but soon he'll be well enough to go to the temple. He will have life in his body to go worship and commune with God. God continues. He says, I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for whose sake? My sake, God says, and for the sake of my servant David. This is for God's sake. These are God's people. This is God's city, right? For my sake and for the sake of my servant David. So this is a callback to the Davidic covenant. God is in covenant with David. And God is remembering that. God is faithful to that. And so when Hezekiah prayed, I don't know if you noticed, but it was kind of like a self-centered prayer. He prayed for himself. And he, he actually didn't ask for healing. He, like, what did he ask for? Just remember me, Lord. Remember me. So, so God heard that. Now look what God will do. God will situate the prayer on a different level. God answers prayers, but he situates the whole prayer. The, the, the broader scope here now, is, this is way bigger than you, Hezekiah. God's like, I'm going to heal you, but I also have the city in mind. I will do this for my sake. I will do this for the sake of my servant, David. And so when we pray, we need to understand that we are praying to a God who has a goal, a purpose, a mission that is way bigger than your individual life. And I think this story gives us a glimpse into what prayer can lead God to do in and through our world, in and through our lives. When we pray for a thing as individuals, we need to be reminded that we live in a complex web of connections and interrelated and and dynamic interdependent parts. While God has an interest in healing Hezekiah, he also has an interest in rescuing the city. God is going to heal the king and save the city. And so when we pray in faith, we may be getting an answer, 
that sounds like silence. When we pray in faith, we may be getting an answer that is way bigger than ourselves than what we were praying for. Hezekiah will be remembered. It's a whole lot easier to be remembered when there is a city to remember you. And so when we pray in faith, others may be moved as well. God may move others as well. And then verse 7, and this is where we'll, we'll stop for today in the story. Isaiah says this, prepare a poultice of figs. That's a wound treatment. I wasn't familiar with that word, poultice. Does anybody think that's a weird word? Poultice. <laughs> That's what the NIV chooses. Prepare a poultice of figs. It's like, imagine that like herbal bowl where you crush up stuff. Okay. Prepare the figs. Go get figs. Wound treatment. And they did so. They applied it to the boil. That's what the NIV called, called it. And he recovered. So perhaps this is a Mediterranean remedy here. Some folk remedy. Right? But I want you to notice, Isaiah responded with a practical action step. Go get the first aid kit. Go get some new gauze. Change the bed sheets. Drink water. Okay? Go get some aloe. Wash your hands in warm, soapy water. Americans, wash your hands. <laughs> right? <laughs> for some of you, you're praying for something. And this is, this is what kind of just pulled at me with this story. It's that we're praying for something, and perhaps there's already a practical step that we can do right on the other side of our amen. Go get some figs. Again, like God, God brings the healing. Pray, praise God for that. In this story, but again, it doesn't read like it's a miracle. It's, it's still going to take three days. Go get a poultice of figs, apply it to the wound or whatever it is, right? And so, as you're praying for something, maybe in your imagination you're thinking of some grand gesture, but really, the next appropriate thing, perhaps, it's like something small and practical. So, what are you praying for right now? Perhaps ask yourself, what are my figs that I need to go gather? And so this is an interesting little story on prayer and healing and how God can move in the life of this world. And I hope this Bible story encourages you that you can see the importance of prayer, that prayer really matters. Now, all of us map differently with prayer. Some of you might not like formulaic prayer. Perhaps with your, your background, if you kind of come from like a high church or like, you know, that rigid structure, maybe you had enough of that, so you like more freestyle. Others grew up freestyle, and so now the structured stuff sounds good. We all have different preferences. There's different tools out there, different books and resources. But for now, I just want to land the plane after we considered this the story of Hezekiah, I would like to give some application. Of all the directions we could go, we'll just land with this, an application. It's P-R-A-Y. Pray.
And it works really well with Scripture. And so if you're looking for a tool to kind of help you out in your prayer life, I invite you to give this a try. The P stands for pause. Slow down. Be still. Focus on Father who art in heaven. Focus on who you're talking to. May his name be regarded as holy. Just be in his presence. No rush. Okay? Maybe this is a, a roll, roll over and face the wall type of moment. Okay? Or I just, I need to go plop myself down on the floor. I just need to go and put myself somewhere. The posture of prayer. Just slowing down. Being still. Allowing yourself to, to be in that, that, that place. One of you was struggling with employment issues. And this isn't something I normally do, but I'll share with you. I, I went to your employer. There was a bench outside of your employer, and I sat down and prayed. This was a while ago. But just sometimes you just need to go and put yourself in that spot. It's a it's a intentionality, the intentionality behind pausing. Rejoice. So so the R can stand for three different words. <laughs> Rejoice or reflect or repent. It's depending on on how you're being led. Okay. Rejoice with a psalm or or a passage from scripture. Think about what's good. What what what's good going on in your, your life? Tell God about it. Praise God for it. Gratitude. Offer up gratitude to God. Or like reflection. Reflect on scripture. Use scripture to form and influence how you're praying. You want to come into alignment with with God. Reflect through prayer. And again, slow down. Listen. What is the passage saying? Who is God in light of this passage? What is God saying to me? Maybe God is calling you to change your mind on something. That's where the repentance will come in. Maybe there's a sin. You need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe God will lead you in that way. Repent and believe the, the good news. And then there's ask. Ask God to help you and others. Ask for daily bread, for provisions, protection, for help, for healing, for breakthrough, for guidance, for wisdom, for deliverance. Pray for others. Try to be specific. Maybe you don't know what to pray for. And so maybe your prayer might be like Hezekiah's. Lord God, just remember me right now. Here I am, just remember me like an ask. Or even, sometimes it's not with our mouth, our mouth that we speak, but it's with our tears. Maybe Hezekiah prayed more through his weeping than he did with his, his voice. But ask God, petition, request, ask for things. And then finally, yield. 
yield. Open your ears to God. Revisit your reflections. Revisit what you've been praying about. And say yes to God. Pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom to come in Plymouth meeting as it is in heaven. His will be done. Yield. Submit. Maybe God is pointing you to some figs. And he wants you to just go do a practical step. And so yes, spiritual formation is so important. Prayer is a big part of that. Spiritual formation matters. Prayer matters. But please know, you're not alone in this. All of what was said today, it is a team sport. You are not alone. You are not alone. Jesus wants to connect with you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to have a social life with you. What a friend we have in Jesus. We can take things to the Lord in prayer. We can lean in him. Lean into him. Let's let's pray.